This is a crowd podcast. Hello, I'm Geraint Thomas. And I'm Tom Fordyce. And you've just entered the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club. Brought to you by Zwift, the indoor cycling app where fun is fast. Welcome. So, Garrett, we've had this club for about a month now, and each week I discover another role that we haven't allocated. And this is probably a bad reflection on my abilities as interim chairman. And we are going to get a proper chairman rather than me, someone who knows what they're doing. And we're going to get a club secretary so that Lou, our producer, can actually help us make this podcast. But we haven't got a social secretary. That's key, I think. Because let's be honest, this, this club isn't too serious. Well, not with you at chairman either. So, not <laughs> my end of it. So, yeah, social. <laughs> it's not really, a, I don't think it's really a done thing in, in cycling clubs, really. Like, I think they do have someone that organises the Christmas do and stuff, but that's kind of about it. But I don't think we can take it to the next level, rugby style, you know? Nice. We can have like that um, kangaroo court and everything in this. Oh, yeah, like on the Lions videos. Yeah, I'm into that. This I'm could all get over dangerous. That. You're going to be in a right state. If you get on the wrong end of a kangaroo court, <laughs> I've seen you on an ordinary night out, let alone a kangaroo court. <laughs> True. I, I'm, I'll happily take that role, actually, till we get somebody else in. feel like I need to add something. Okay. Um, what sort of qualities do you think our social secretary needs? Like, they need to be creative, don't they? Yeah, they definitely got to be creative. I think, um, yeah, got to be creative. <laughs> maybe, maybe I shouldn't take this role, but... <laughs> You sound terrible at this job. Are you, do, are you doing that thing that I do sometimes? Like I do the washing up really badly so that I don't get asked to do it again. It feels a little bit like you're trying to do a terrible job at being social secretary so you never get asked again. I do do that with cups of tea. No, I think all I'm thinking about is actually the, the nights out and the beers. But I think you need to be organised as well, really. So, you know, you've got to be able to get onto people. You know, like when you organise a stag, there's nothing worse than organising a stag, is there? Nobody's getting back to you. and Nightmare. You've got to sort out, like, deposits and bloody, like, enough rooms for everyone. And then people drop out. And then people actually are rescind that offer. Um, <laughs> we'll have to get somebody else in. Right. If you fancy being the social secretary for the GTCC, get your applications in. Email us at gtcc at crowdnetwork.com dot co dot uk so we want your credentials and i think really g we want ultimately what this person is going to bring to the role yeah most definitely what are you going to add it's going to be unpaid but we want you to work it like you're being paid millions because this is probably one of the most <laughs> important roles <laughs> i've got this feeling that when people look back at my chairmanship of the gtcc like if they a it's rubbish but also they'll just say he was a very good um, allocator of his job to other people. Like he didn't actually. What did Fordyce actually do as chairman apart from make other people do his job? <laughs> I say that about your previous job as well. What did you do at the BBC? <laughs> <laughs> right, let's go on with the show. Enough insults. <laughs> right, Tom. So last week you properly ambushed me with that crashes episode. So I've taken the lead this week, and I've chosen something which. I'm pretty good at because I needed a bit of a pick-me-up, something to make me feel a bit better. So I've gone with time trials. Oh, nice. I always think the time trial is a very British institution. Like We love time trials in a way that there's a bit of snobbishness about them on the continent sometimes, isn't there? Like There's something wrong with, with just going out on your own on a dual carriageway outside a satellite town on a summer's yeah. evening, as if there's something wrong with that. I don't know if it's because I've lived on the continent, but I'm kind of 
inclined to think like that as well, though, to be honest. <laughs> Getting up at five o'clock in the morning to ride up a Darren A road doesn't really fill me with joy. But, you know, what's the history with TT in the UK? Isn't it like they banned road races? So then That's it. people had to get dressed up in black kit and go out and just... So actually, when you know the history of it, it is pretty cool, actually. So that is exactly it, isn't it? You weren't allowed mass starts or mass participation in, in British cycling races. I think it was some sort of road safety lobby or something like that. So the only way you could do it was to meet. It's almost like the early rave scene where you'd find out about where a rave was by phoning someone. They'd give you a code word. It's like that with TTs, isn't it? Because all the big roads, they're not known as like, you know, the A50 from Nutsford to Chelford. They've all got secret code words, haven't they? I don't know. I've, I've never done one with a secret code word, to be fair. But I did do one on a tandem with Luke Rowe. Uh, who went in front and who went behind? Well, it was Luke Rowe's dad, actually. He's probably done better out of that deal than you have, I'd say. Yeah, I think I was only about 14 at the time. Okay. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think I, I did drag him around. He was on the front, so I pushed him around. The other thing about time trialling, right, from my perspective, and the, the people I know who ride bikes rather than you elite lot, is that it's the most amazing excuse to get a load of gear that you'll use twice a year. Yeah. Oh, it is some nice kit in there. Like, you know, if you go and you just go into a bike shop, it might sound a bit nerdy now, but not like going to bike shops these days anyway. But, you know, if you just see a nice pair of wheels or, you know, some. I remember when I had Chanel Angels, they were like time trial Ooh. bars. It was my first pair of like proper time trial bars. And I just, it was on the track. And I absolutely loved them. I was just like, I am, I'm the bomb here. So, yeah, and the kit, like the skin suits, you know, when you just, you just feel faster wearing a skin suit. But with all bearing all that in mind, there's nothing worse than seeing someone go 25k an hour with an <laughs> aero helmet on, a skin suit and stuff. It's like, mate, that's that's not doing anything for you. You need to go at least, you know, 45 plus to get any advantage with that. I think there's something worse. I think there's something worse. And that's someone who turns up for a club ride, like a nice three, four hour ride on a Sunday in an aero helmet with a visor. Yes. Yeah. That's one rule we're going to have in this club. You can't be doing that. (laughs) When you join us in our club rides, please do not wear an aero helmet. And if you do, detach the visor in advance. (laughs) Yeah, especially if you're on the turbo with that on. (laughs) (laughs) That is not a look. All right, people, Sidemen here to tell you about an epic podcast that you need in your life right now. Here's how it goes. We all know 2020 was an awful year. This is the worst crisis for a generation. But thankfully, one man, oh, and me, had a plan to end it on a high. Do you want to be good or do you want to be great? That's Rick Lewis, one of Britain's most influential businessmen. Yes, I'm intelligent. I teamed up with a millionaire in 2020. And this was the plan. Pay attention. For 12 weeks, Rick Lewis was the mentor. The only person stopping you is usually you. No one is playing man-to-man defense on you in your life. We gave three young people an hour a week and access to £5,000 each to make a difference to their lives. I just want to set a realistic goal and just look towards a better like 2021 because 2020, oh my days, this year has been messy. So that's The Mentor, 12 weeks, £5,000 and Rick Lewis. I'm sure you want to find out what happens and you want to hear more of that silky smooth American accent and who doesn't want free advice from a millionaire. Go and search The Mentor in all your usual podcast places. Trust me, you'd be stupid not to. See ya! Gee, I've got good news. We've got another sponsor. Our friends at Amp Human are on board. Now, they're a human performance company dedicated to helping athletes at all levels achieve 
their potential. So even amateurs like me. Amp's flagship product, PR Lotion, is the world's first and only lotion to deliver the natural electrolyte bicarb to the body. Now, I know this sounds a bit fancy, but you've been using this PR Lotion for the last two years, haven't you? What's it like? Yeah, I like it. It's obviously, I use it for any hard session, really, on Zwift, uh, in time trials as well. You just lather up in it, basically, whichever muscles you're using. Yeah, and it just gives you that bit of a buffer, and it, I definitely feel it sort of helps me. Well, there's also 40 years of data showing bicarb's ability to buffer acid as it builds up in muscle during exercise. Studies show a 50% reduction in muscle soreness when using PR lotion. And even better... Amp Human is giving our listeners 25% off their next purchase using the code GTCC and then the number 25. Just visit amphuman.com forward slash GTCC and start training with your PR lotion today. Okay, so Tom, time to introduce our fifth guest of the pod. Um, we've mentioned him before already briefly, seeing this is a TT pod i thought i'd go for the top i couldn't get that guy so <laughs> i can't but you know we've still done pretty well former hour record holder two-time world champion won a stage of every grand tour maybe even won the leaders jersey in every grand tour yep there we go he has so welcome <laughs> to the pod rowan dennis thanks for having me good guess g well you know i try you to go second second best mate Who's the first? Who's your first? Well, I say I was saying second to be polite. You're probably third or fourth, actually. You told me that Ghana doesn't speak very good English, otherwise we would have had him. <laughs> yeah, Ghana, Dowsett, who else? Froomey, Dumoulin. They're all busy, so... Yeah. <laughs> we go. <laughs> yeah. Right, there's so much I want to know about time trialling, you two. The first thing is how well do you know a course before you do it? Oh. Fairly well, depending on what it is. So, I'd say if it's a if it's a prologue in a grand tour or a grand tour TT that's decisive for for G. I don't I don't do GC anymore. <laughs> we'll probably recon it before we do before we get to before we get to the grand tour. But if if I'm honest, there's not many time trials mid grand tour that I've actually I've reconned. I just sort of. I recon it in the morning and they're not usually too technical. So there's a couple of corners you might have to check out twice. It's completely different when it comes to the worlds though for you though, hey? I remember chatting like when we were in the Giro and we were chatting about when we we're going to turn up to the worlds. I think the worlds on the Friday. I was like, oh yeah, just flying Wednesday, a couple of laps Thursday and then crack on. And you were like, nah, mate, I'm going in Sunday, <laughs> riding it every day. <clears throat> yeah, there was not a whole lot to look at this year, but. So I could have done what you did. It probably would have been a better option, to be honest with you. So I don't sit around the hotel for five days before. But uh, a time trial like Yorkshire, that was quite technical. So knowing the courses or knowing the course perfectly with that, those small roads, uh, you know what they're like. You don't want to be going into a corner thinking, do I have to break or not? And you just don't want that in the back of your head. So uh, five days for something like Yorkshire, which was quite technical, then then yeah, I think that's perfect. But this year, your approach was uh, definitely. <laughs> Do you like a technical course? Yes and no. If I'm on, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if I'm not, there's no way I want to be on a, a technical course. It's it's one of those things where if you've got the flow 
of the course you're flying and if you don't it's just an absolute pig of a day you don't want to yeah. be on the bike at all you just oh, every corner you're in and out jumping you feel like you're just trying to find speed when you've got nothing yeah technical as well can be uh like the undulations as well can't it like how you actually ride it rather than just corners so for instance you know it could be headwind sections drags hard climbs fast descents like there's a lot to, that goes into a tt really in there when you actually get into the thick of it there's a lot and it it gets really technical and can be really boring <laughs> and you, you can overthink it i guess no? <laughs> you can overthink it and i think the boring side of it is that you try to make it as boring as possible so it's it, it sort of simplifies it as much as possible so you just okay this is the power after hold on this climb for how long perfect this downhill this flat it's very measured it's almost it's just a slightly more technical track race they always seem really adrenalized from the outside there's something about you know when you see downhill skiers and they're in the start gate and something about the beep 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 just adds to it and then you guys get that in a tt like you're being held by an official and you're in all the cool gear and then the beep I imagine it always does something to your heart rate. Your heart rate just jumps up a bit more when you hear those beeps. Just before we get onto the beeps, talking about the person holding you, sometimes you get some right wallies holding you up, especially in a team time trial when there's nine or eight of you now. Oh my goodness me. To get eight people that can actually hold somebody up straight, it's hard going. The, the worst is when, uh, actually oh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sidetrack a little bit, is uh, when someone's holding you and you need a fart, <laughs> i can't say i've ever had that but well, I, I really need a fire right now uh, i'm not gonna do it but this is really uncomfortable but yeah that's that, that usually gets the old uh you know blood pressure up a bit You're like, oh, yeah. this is not good if you've had bicarb as well you don't want to risk a fart then yeah yeah i've had that uh end badly for me the thing is you're in, you're in a skin suit as well so there's nowhere for a fart to go oh, it goes out that's where it goes. <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, yeah, back to the beeps. Yeah, well, the beeps for me is just, I just count down. Usually, I don't go out too hard either. I just look at my power meter and I'm at probably 50% of my maximum sprint off the start line. So, you don't want to lactate up too much and then you want to settle into your threshold as soon as possible when you get the speed. So, And it doesn't look like it is, but everything is very calculated. Yeah, I'd agree with that, especially, well, time trialing for sure. Like, But with the beeps that give me shivers when I hear them, or not shivers, but like really get the adrenaline going is when I think about the track days. Like a team pursuit, I can't like go really fast off the start line and I'd have to really be concentrated and full on for that start just to get on the back, just to get with the boys the same speed as them. So those beeps were like, yeah, all in. But once it comes to the road, it's so much more controlled. And, you know, you got a 50-odd minute TT in front of you. It's, yeah, you don't have to rush out the gate. You don't win in the first 10 strokes. Exactly. So this <laughs> idea of threshold, right? This is Threshold is normal for you two, and it's normal for all elite riders. For a lot of people listening to this, for people like me who just ride their bikes for fun, threshold means nothing. So explain what it is, why it's so important. Uh, there's a few different thresholds, I'd say. So... There's a real typical one, which is like the one you can hold for one hour. That's the pace you can hold, the effort you can hold for an hour. The power you can hold for one hour. So 400 for Ghana is probably 460. In a perfect world, your threshold's 400. It's for one hour, you do a one hour TT, you want to hold exactly 400. 
if it's dead flat, straight and whatnot. But obviously, then you're looking into what you can do up hills and then where you need to recover. So, in the end, you try to really nail that that 400, but there's going to be some zeros and, and over and under in there as well. As Rowan said, you want to average 400, but then on the climbs, you want to be doing 420, 430, because then on the downhills, you're going to be doing a lot less than 400. You've got corners, as Rowan said, and where you're not pedaling. So there's a lot that goes into it, and it's easy to overcook it as well. So I think the more you do, and the specialists like Rowan and, and Garner and everyone else we've mentioned, like that's where they can really sort of nail it compared to someone who just rocks up and does it with big power, basically. I want to, I want to know all about the little tricks now as well. So you always hear of these things that you guys know, you, you guys who are good at TTs, the little things you can do. There's the technical stuff, we'll talk about that in a minute, but there's the, the dark arts of time trialling. How close you can get to a TV motorbike, maybe having a team car a little bit cheeky, a bit close up to you. What are the things you can do? Uh, unfortunately, I've never actually had the TV motorbike give me any help. Um, <laughs> as much you need as to people... be Italian. If you were Italian, you'd be laughing, wouldn't you? Yeah, maybe I can blame that on why Garnica is so fast. <laughs> in all of, every race was in Italy for him this year. But yeah, I actually, there's one, there's one trick I have to really minimize the stuff I have to think about in a time trial is we always have a motorbike in front of you to make sure obviously the, the path is clear. And one thing I do is, is basically follow where that motorbike is. They usually take the perfect line around corners or pretty close to it. And more or less, you just eliminate that thought process and you don't have to think about it. You just worry about going hard. Yeah, talking about motorbikes, I actually, uh, 2012 Giro d'Italia, final stage, I was absolutely flying. I was on one of those days. I was second. I was like, oh, oh well, yeah, good effort. And I got beaten by Marco Panotti, who beat me by about 20 seconds. Later that night, he tweets his uh, power profile and stuff. And I averaged about 20 watts more. And I'm pretty, you know, what we say, slippery. Slippery. I go through the air, you know. I'm not very... Uh, I'm aero. That's what I'm going for. I'm pretty aero. <laughs> so I was thinking, how how the hell did he do 20 watts less than me and still smash me by 20 seconds? Anyway, everyone afterwards was sending me videos of him right up the arse of this Italian motorbike final stage of Giro he's Italian himself so it's a touchy point that Tom so thanks for bringing it up <laughs> there's amazing stories aren't there I think it was Francesco Moser when he won the Giro in 1984 and he was up against Laurent Fignon and Fignon is convinced that the TV helicopter when they were filming Moser went just behind Moser and tilted a bit so they were like whew, blowing him along and then when Fignon's out on the road he's convinced they just went in front of him and blew him back because he was French <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's a pretty good uh, pretty good helicopter driver if you ask me yeah particularly in narrow streets in a little Italian city yeah I, I doubt that was actually what happened but maybe he's watched a few movies what about in a TT when there's like loads of crowds and stuff do you still take you know a proper racing line you know you're right up against the barriers or something would you always would you give yourself a bit of space or are you just all in uh, well the one that really comes to mind is uh, 2015 Tour de France the, that opening prologue I didn't think about anybody but getting around that corner, mm. all the corners. There was one I did nearly just, I just turned in too early and uh, had to readjust mid-corner, but I don't really think about it. I just go, okay, that's the barrier. Don't hit it. Um, if someone's hanging over, it's just... Take their head off. Uh, well, <laughs> take my head off. <laughs> I, hope not, I hope I don't hit them, but uh, hopefully they move if they're hanging over and, and I'm about to hit them. Otherwise, 
it's going to end bad for me, I reckon. That is one thing that's a lot easier is actually doing it. When you're going around the corner and you're thinking, oh, I'm well in control here. Oh, I could have got an extra K out, K an hour quicker. But then when you're watching on TV, you could be like, holy shit, how is this guy ears just all up? Like, it's a lot worse watching, isn't it, than doing it yourself. Also in the car. Yeah. Richie Port has jumped in behind me before and he said that I'm never want to do that again. Never. <laughs> I, that was the, most, the scariest thing I've ever fucking done. <laughs> I, he's like, there's for sure. I thought you were going to just crash into something. Um, there's no way you got around those corners sometimes. But he said, I don't want to do that before a time trial. It scares me, and then I don't go into corners properly myself. So, yeah, it's it looks completely <laughs> different when you're not doing it yourself. Is it all numbers for you two? Because Garrett, you have ridden time trials when your power meter's not been working, haven't you? Quite well, quite did, recently, I did the worlds without a bloody Garmin didn't I the power meter so that wasn't very uh the thing is right it's like people always go like oh you should be able to do about a power meter anyway they did it in the 70s blah 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 but it's like well get a carpenter around your house take all his you know rulers off him and tell him to bloody cut a piece of card for there or wood whatever and he'll get close but it won't be perfect will it and that's what it's like trying to do the world champs without a Garmin I was just went down the start ramp and you just go in and you've absolutely no idea. Like, cause in your head, like Rowan was saying, you have your structure of how you want to race. So you want to do X amount of Watts up this drag, you know, you use it also. Well, I use it a lot to stay focused because it's easy for your mind to wander in a TT, especially on a long flat, maybe slightly downhill section. And you, before you know it, you could be doing 250 Watts when you're supposed to be doing 380, you know? So you've got to be really on it all the time. So I use a Garmin a lot for that sort of thing. So it was frustrating for sure, but it is just riding a bike at the end of the day, isn't it? But it's a, it's really handy to have that feedback. Also overpacing, overreaching at the start. 100%, yeah. You feel That's... you feel like Superman <laughs> in the first <laughs> two minutes. You're like, oh, this is awesome. Then uh, it's the best thing I ever did was I had my, my power meter or my, my computer behind the seat for a while. And uh, I realized how dumb it was because I still <laughs> kept obviously the, the file and I looked at it, I'm like, wow, that was stupid. You felt <laughs> so good in the first couple of minutes and you averaged 500 watts or something in a 40-minute time trial. So just lactate, full lactate. Then I had to try clear it and then get back to what I was supposed to be doing and it just ruins you. Come to last five, ten minutes, you just absolutely hands and knees and you're just like, what the hell happened? You can't breathe. You're just suffering. Everything's hurting. You're like, what, why did I just do that? That was just stupid. Like that's the thing on the track, you don't need it because you get feedback every lap and that's what you're used to. That's how you train. But obviously when in a TT, it's definitely handy for, yeah, the main thing, holding back and then staying focused, I think. So what hurts first when you're doing a TT? Is it the back of your neck from trying to hold the aero position? Is it just lactic creeping through your quads and then into the small of your back? Well, I find my breathing if I'm not on. So the first thing, and the heart rate goes up as well. So if I don't have a good day, which well, most of my time trials this year haven't been a good day, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing I notice is that my breathing's off and then uh, it gets short. Then the heart rate goes up. Then the head goes. Then everything else starts to hurt. And you're like, what am I doing? Uh, then your gears go high. And so start pushing a bigger gear. Getting into the low low 80 cadence and you just, just get bogged down. 
that's basically the spiral downhill for me. <laughs> yeah, for me again, I, I don't know what's the first thing to go. It probably is my neck and back because it's so extreme position, you know, compared to normal. Like, but obviously, like we were saying about climbing on the first episode, the more you do, the more efficient you get and the better you get at it. And that's why, like I said before, Rowan and the likes are so good at doing that. And like every time, one thing that Paul Manning, he, I rode Beijing Olympics with him and he used to be the women's endurance coach on the track, GB national team. And he always said to me, you need to be like a swan. So your upper body just rock solid, but then underneath their legs are just going mental and they like going along the pond. And that's the same in a TT. You know, you want your legs to be going, you know, whatever, 9,500 RPM, but up top, your ass to your head, just rock solid. And it's great to watch then, isn't it? It's just, there's nothing better actually than watching a good time trialist just ride at 60k an hour and it looks like they're going 20, you know, with no effort. So let's let's talk let's talk through some of the little things that make a difference. So you guys will obviously try and maximise your speed by using different bits of equipment. So if I go through a list, can you give us a rough idea for people who never ride an elite TT? How many seconds over, say, I don't know, 10 or 20k each one of these would make? So I'm going to start you off with, let's don't say Aero him. Lid. Rowan, don't tell him too much now. Let's keep the secrets in the team. Oh, hello. Just be be interesting. Be vague. But be vague. Very vague. Be beige. Well, it, <laughs> Aero Lid. So the differences between them are huge, uh, depending on your position. But and on that, my previous team versus the cask that I rode at Worlds in Yorkshire and this year, there was a two and a half, three percent difference in drag. Just if you you isolate that one thing, so I wouldn't know the time difference to be honest with you. But two to three percent is quite significant, and that's just between aero helmets. So if you put a road helmet on, you pretty well just you may as well just admit defeat. <laughs> you may as well sit up and coast in. What about an aero sock? See, I've heard different things about this. So I've heard because over socks you know because your, your feet are going round so quickly there's kind of the tur- there's so much turbulence there that it doesn't make too much difference anyway but well what do i know the big thing is that you want to reduce or help with that turbulence on the most turbulent things oh, okay so it's probably the most important then shows where i'm going wrong <laughs> bloody hell <laughs> so it's actually the the most important thing is pro- well first body position then skin suit helmet and then overshoes really before bike bike is minimal really wow wow apart from Pilarello, that's that's really aero I'd go out and buy one of them <laughs> the bollard TT definitely better <laughs> than anything I've ever ridden <laughs> what what about the leg shaving if you weren't you're in a skin suit but let's say you hadn't shaved your legs how many seconds is that saving you or is that purely aesthetic? I've won time trials with real hairy legs. <laughs> <laughs> That's my single favourite quote of, of your entire podcast so far, G. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the thing with hairy legs as well, though, or shaving your legs, it's a lot to do with crashing and stuff as well, you know, with bandages and ripping them off and just keeping your legs clean as well. You know, when you lose use a lot of um, oils and things, you know, even to keep your legs warm or just shiny and looking good i was gonna say you're just trying to look good mate there's nothing <laughs> nothing but you're trying to look good did you ever do that as a junior i used to put baby oil on them just so they were shiny and thought oh yeah i look good here 
Yeah, look at this. <laughs> I get more rippage now. Look at this. I got, I got, I got one calf muscle. <laughs> uh, yeah, but the, the crashing part is the main reason for shaved legs, and a lot of, a lot of uh, Europeans. Well, in my so in BMC, uh, I rolled up to Torino and I had full hairy legs for the team time trial, and I actually forgot to shave my legs the night before, and I was just sitting there, and I looked down and. I'm going, oh, shit. And <laughs> Stefan Kung, <laughs> Stefan Kung's gone, what, what? I'm like, yeah, I didn't shave my legs. And they were, they were pretty bad. And he's like, no, no. He was stressing out. I'm like, ah, oh, she'll be right. She'll be right. No worries. He's like, no, you shouldn't be doing that. I'm like, ah, oh, she'll be right. Don't stress. But <laughs> I think uh, it's an old, old school sort of thing. I don't think it makes a huge difference, to be honest with you. Aerodynamically, anyway. But rugby players shave their legs now, though, eh, Tom? For some footballers, yeah, that is. I think that is purely show off muscle, isn't it? There's well, it no be, practical yeah, element to that at all. <laughs> no. no, isn't it when they have to strap their legs as well? Oh, with rugby players, yeah. If you're if you're putting tape on and taking tape off your thighs every time, good point. That would hurt. What about number pinning? So amateur time trialists, and there's a lot of them in Britain because it's such a big scene. Obsess, like, let's say you're on Twitter and you're watching a, a TT and a Grand Tour. There's certain people on my Twitter who will always chirp up with, what are they doing with that number pinning? That is a disgrace. <laughs> uh, lower to better. So almost on your chamois, almost. An old school trick was you scrunch the number up if it's paper. Scrunch it up so it doesn't get or doesn't catch the wind as much. So it actually does help and, and it sits flatter on your back as well. So we should just get them and just scrunch them, open up, scrunch them and then pin them on. That's a real junior amateur thing that we used to do but nice. it actually yeah. you know, it does work I used to pin them on from the inside as well sometimes so the actual pin Hang was on. on the inside ah oh. do you get me so yeah I used to offer it to the boys I was like give me 10 euros I'll pin yours in from the inside oh, you're always wheeling <laughs> and dealing aren't you you're always trying to make them back on the side <laughs> <laughs> no one took me up but yeah we have the pockets now though Tom most of the skin suits yeah. so it's changing what about if you, because you've obviously got your team skin suit, what happens if you were to go into yellow just before a TT, right? Do you get a, uh, do you have a spare yellow skin suit in the team? Does that make sense? Or do you have to send out to someone to sort of seamstress to try and knock you one up? Or are you using some rubbish one the organisers are giving you? G's got more, uh, <laughs> more experience in this. Well, in 2018, they actually come to your hotel the night before and, um, yeah, fit you out properly, nip tuck here and there. Um, but I think to be fair, the tour ones, the the people that make those skin suits, they're actually pretty good. I don't know how they compare, but I think even if they are two, three percent worse, you get more of a boost for just being in yellow, really, and, and in the position to win the Tour de France. So it didn't affect me at the time, but maybe if I'm in yellow again and I lose the tour because of it, then I'm definitely blaming the skin suit. <laughs> <laughs> you know how that goes, mate. <laughs> actually saying that 2012 the team did actually make their own yellow one and I don't think they told ASO the Tour de France organisers before they used it and uh, Brad obviously had it and something they did something really like maybe the Lecoq sportif emblem was upside down it was something like <laughs> that was it was backwards some, backwards is that what it was <laughs> And it just stood out and like straight away they're calling Dave and like, what the hell is this skin suit? Blah, blah, blah. So 
Yeah, it worked all right for him in the end, though, didn't it? Brad's always making headlines, isn't he, mate? He's always trying to... <laughs> isn't he just? <laughs> well, maybe that, mate, because there were three long time trials in that tour, weren't they? It was a very TT-ish tour. So, look, maybe it's, it's worth the call from the commissaires and that Dave Brailsford has to soak up a bit of an angry French chat because <laughs> he knows his man's going to be in yellow on the Champs-Élysées. Well, it's nice to see some TTs coming back to the tour now. In 2021, there's two half-decent length TTs because before that, since Brad won in 2012 until 2021, they've just been decreasing and decreasing the TTs in the tour. And they're even, the ones they put in are like finishing a planche de Belfi, which it's not isn't a time exactly trial, a, is it? No. Not at all. But so it's good to see them coming back. Mate, you're a climber and a time trial. You shouldn't be complaining about that. No, I want to see more TTs. Yeah, we yeah. all do. Um, <laughs> I want to bring back the team time trial. Why not? Yeah, for, well, to be fair, being purely uh, selfish here, I'd rather an individual one because I've got more chance of putting time into someone like um, Yatesy who has a good team. So we they'd even got the chance of beating us in the team time trial. Whereas if it was individual, then I'd definitely put time into him. So. Oh, mate, they wouldn't beat us now. Come on, don't be stupid. No, if we had our best, if we had our best TTT lineup, yeah, that would be a, that would be a good team. The nightmare in your team, surely, is if you're one of the climbers. So let's, let's say you're Egan Bernal and you've got you two and you've got Ghana. Like, I mean, the poor, poor lad's got to try and hang on to you machines. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I reckon actually he's not too bad at time trialing. I reckon someone, um, and I'm going to, might come back to bite me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> someone like Pavel or Dylan Van Baal with team time trials, it's all about sort of that peak power and being able to recover from that peak power and then do it again. Whereas someone like Dylan, he's super strong, super domestic, but he doesn't have that punch. So he can sit on his threshold all day, but if you try to make him go 100 watts more or 150 watts more, it's going to hurt him a lot more than what it will hurt someone like me or or Garner who probably trained that specifically and gee a little bit he doesn't train it probably as much as us but it comes down to it's like Ricky Shaw was like that as well super strong getting the team time trial and people are like why isn't he so good why isn't he any good I'm like well he can sit on that high tempo threshold all day almost all day but as soon as he goes above it it just kills him so Bernal yeah. I, yeah, I think he's actually not too bad for a climber yeah, he has got a good bit of punch by now, but it's got to be... Luckily, I've always sort of had that punch from the track. It's sort of drifted away over recent years. But, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine some of those guys who go into a TTT just absolutely crapping themselves, thinking, I could get dropped in the first 5K here, and this is a 35K TTT. Like, There's been times when people... CJ Sutton, fellow Aussie of, of Rowan's, he was just like a bollard. Like he'd get, <laughs> as soon as the guy in front of him would swing over, he basically, it's like he pulled the parachute and he just slows right down. So I remember just going past him and, you know, sometimes in a TTT, it's like a, a chain gang, you'd call it, like two lines basically. Like as soon as you hit the front, you pass the guy, you swing over and it's, well, it looks like a chain basically. You're just rolling through. And CJ, instead of being two lines, it ends up being three. And he was stuck in the middle just going backwards like, I, f- I felt for him that day. Oh, shit. Actually, <laughs> speaking of uh, people who s- would stress out, like the climbers, poor Manuel Seni, his first team time trial was in, 
I'm pretty sure it was his first or second um, in Romandy 2015. And we're on the start line and he was that stressed. His heart rate, he goes, it was 151. Before he started riding? On the start line. He was, <laughs> he was that Whoa. stressed. <laughs> he, was, he, he finished, but he was told to sit on the back. So a lot of the guys, um, Quintana, you could see, even Yatesy, you can see every now and then he would just be sitting on the back and letting the time trailers and big guys do majority of the work. And The most I've stressed in a TTT was when I fractured my pelvis in the tour in 2013 and we were in Nice and the first, only like 3K, there was quite a few corners and then we got and it was like straight roads then. So I basically had to get through this first 3K with the team I couldn't get out the saddle, so it was all had to be in the saddle, like accelerating. Oh, I must have had about four coffees before it, and I was like buzzing. I was like, right, I've got to stay with them. And I managed to do it. I got onto the straight roads then, and then morale was through the roof, and I was even like pulling turns then and giving the boys a bit of help. But oh, that was, uh, yeah, it's, it's no worse feeling actually. I felt like, oh, that was all or nothing, you know, that was first 3K. Talking about bad feelings in time trials, what's it like when you catch the man in front of you? Like, is that a huge boost? And I guess because you two are good time trialists, this hasn't happened maybe since you were kids. But conversely, what, what's it like when you've started a minute ahead of someone and then you just hear the rumble of their disc wheel and you think, oh, no. I just want to make it clear, I've been caught as a pro. You have or haven't? <laughs> when was I, this? I have. In 2014, uh, Tour of Swiss, the TT in the middle, actually. So I... Well, I, it was the worst day. I've never wanted to do it again. I don't care how bad I feel. I went easy and I got caught, I reckon, about oh, 10 minutes in. And I just, I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to just follow this guy. And at the end, I thought I missed time cut. So it was the worst feeling, worst feeling I've ever had. I'm like, ah, oh, I've dicked it. I've never done that before. Ah, oh, I'm not good at this. I should never do that. I've missed time cut. He wasn't a good time trialer either. So, who was it? Well, that's exactly right. I don't remember. That's how good he was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, for uh, oh, it was the worst feeling in the world, to be honest with you. But I think sometimes it helps a guy you catch because now they got someone to pace against. As much as like they, they're not as good as us. They, they then have something to chase and that's why a lot of guys can't time trial well it's because, and they're good bike riders in road races because there's someone in front of them. They can't do it all by themselves. So once they have a little carrot, they're a little bit better and they don't actually lose as much time as if we had three, four, five-minute gaps where they're not going to be caught at all. Hey, hey, G, do you think we should do a, a GTCC club time trial at some point? Yeah, it'd have to be a... Uh... A, roller, a ruler's course, as they say. So up and down, not, none of this uh, dual carriageway stuff. Out and back. Yeah, no, it's got to have a few corners, a bit lumpy. Yorkshire. Has to be Yorkshire then. Yeah, why not? Spread the love. A TT, but then also like a hill climb. Because that'll be a lot easier to organise as well. It doesn't have to be that long. Just yeah. a K. Rowan will we come co- and do it. Me? Yeah, he'll come over, eh? What if, we, what if we promise to get out of club funds, out of the club funds from the Garrett Summer Second Club, we'll have to pay for your sandwiches and two beers. No more. I don't need the sandwich, but <laughs> I want full control over the beers that G has, <laughs> just for a bit of payback. <laughs> right, you're in. I'm in. Deal. Yeah, I'm in. Yep. Perfect. When's that happening, though? TBC. 
So, no date for our official GTCC time trial yet, but we do have our weekly group rides on the indoor cycling app Zwift. Yeah, come and join us 6pm every Wednesday. If you don't have Zwift yet, go to Zwift.com, start a free trial. And Tom, you're on week five now of your Zwift journey. What have you tried this week? I have done, G, week two of Dirt Destroyer. Take that smile off your face. <laughs> and the nice thing about it this week, little cheeky bonus, I've unlocked some slightly cooler glasses, not as nice as your white rim ones, but still worth having. Cheeky pair of cycling gloves, which is always a nice touch. And it was using my FTP. You remember two weeks ago, I did that horrendous FTP test. Now, the reason I did it is making sense because it's gauging my training program according to me rather than some random bloke who's my height, weight and age. It's actually gauged to me, which is happy days. Fair play, good job. Right, as always, Garen, I would like some tips from my fellow GTCC club members who are never going to ride at the top level. So I'm going to give you a couple of either-ors and you tell me which of these will make me and people like me faster in the one time trial I do every year. Okay, so the first one I'm going to give you the width of my arms on my TT bars, my tri bars, or the height of my head, if that makes sense. Which is faster? Yeah, do I need to get lower or do I need to get narrower? I think get your head down. That's the priority. Okay. Head below your back, even better. Okay, low head. Next one, lose a kilogram or spend a grand on deep rim wheels? Before I lose a kilo. Okay. Save the money. Less fun, but okay. Um, <laughs> buy yourself an aero lid or just practice once a week going out for half an hour and holding your tuck? Uh, hold the tuck, but if you've been holding the tuck for a while, treat yourself, buy a nice lid. But make sure you're going quicker than 25k an hour. <laughs> okay, my final question, because obviously we're going to have a nice team kit for the GTCC. Do we need a GTCC skin suit or are the sort of people in our club, like me, the sort of people who perhaps aren't flattered by a skin suit and thus we should just stick with our ordinary jersey? <laughs> uh, well, I said we're a club for all, so I would initially think no, but then we also want keen, like, you know, yeah, you're right. Really, really good amateurs. So it's something for the future. I don't think we need that at the minute. But I think the main thing about this club is we don't take ourselves seriously. I think that's for, we can delay that. We, we can think about that later on down the line. At the moment, the most important thing is getting a proper chairman. That's true. Chairwoman and a social person, a social sec. Yes. Okay. And then we can get our nice jersey from Paul Smith. And then once Paul has seen loads of people out in the GTCC jersey, that's when we drop him a text and say, thanks for the first one, Paul. Now there's a skin suit. <laughs> yeah, sweet plan. Right, G, it's that time in the pod where we discuss our any other club business. And first of all, I want to say a massive thank you to everyone who's been joining our weekly group rides on Zwift. How did you find the first week, G? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was, um, to be honest, I was pretty tired getting on. I was thinking, oh, is this going to be a drag? Like, no offence, but it actually wasn't. It went really fast. It was a good bit of uh, chat between everyone. You could listen to the podcast while riding as well. So, uh, yeah, I think it worked really well. Did you enjoy it? I did, yeah. The chat was really good. I liked chatting away to our fellow club members. The slightly weird thing for me about the pod playing in the background, because I... I'm in the garage on the turbo and I've got the garage door open, is that I was slightly worried the neighbours might think I was a massive bellend because I was listening to myself talking while I was on my bike. 
<laughs> but apart from that, I did really enjoy it. And we should say, of course, that these rides are for everyone, aren't they? If you haven't tried one yet, gee, it's usually you who's going to be setting the pace. I'll sort of sit in the middle of the pack. And then those who just want to chill out, our club secretary, Louise, is going to hang out uh, further towards the back in the sort of chatty section. So, yeah, give her, give her some ride-ons to, to help her out because Lou's new to cycling as well. So that would definitely help her. Um, we do have some appointments to make, as always, G, as well. First up, it's the club domestique. Now, I know I joked in episode two that basically I am the GTCC domestique, but we've had some actual applications for this position. One of them came from George Cam. He put himself forward. George, we don't have any actual jobs for you right now, but you said in your email that you work in communication. So I reckon telling all your friends, your family about the podcast and the club would be a fantastic way to start. Also, G, Titus Carey has put his hand up to be a domestic and he's even written a poem for us in his application. Do you want to hear it? Yeah, come on. Right, Titus, I hope I can do this, uh, this justice. It all began back in 2011 when I fell in love with Cycling Heaven. Thomas Verkler took yellow, France was in shock. From Brittany to Paris, the French did flock. But oh, what a shame it wasn't to be. It was Cadell Evans who stole victory. A decade now past, time really does fly. We've even seen three winners from Sky. But I'll finish by saying that's all from me. I'm here to help, whatever it may be. Whatever the weather, whatever the week. Oh, please, let me be your domestique. <laughs> oh, fair play. That's a decent effort. Top effort, I'd say. Yeah, he's in. He's a domestique. A couple of things that stand out for me as well, which I was impressed by. Three winners from Sky. Now, that, you know, because... Egan Bernal's actually won. He was the fourth, but he was riding for Ineos, so fair play. He knows his stuff, this boy. The only other thing, though, bit of a negative, I could have got a mention, a name check. That wasn't in there. So it's not perfect, mate, by any means, but, you know, it's, it's good. You're in. Well done. Also, Tom, I was thinking we've got quite a big committee now, haven't we? So maybe we should probably sort out membership and committee cards for everyone that's joined in our club. Yeah, that is a really nice idea. Like, I, well, it's a really nice idea. It's another thing for the chairman to do, which is less positive. But listen, <laughs> that is my job. We'll get that sorted. I've also got one more crucial appointment to make today, G. And I think this might even be our most important one yet. Because in a previous episode, we asked you, our listeners and our club members, to leave us a kind review on Apple Podcasts. So Pete has done just that. And he's even said he'll be our lawyer if we need one for free. So, Pete, officially, we'll have you. Thank you. Yes, never turn down a good lawyer. Um, well, I don't know if he's good, but we'll never turn down a lawyer. Anyway, moving on to shout-outs. First one, Georgia, who's 12, from North Devon, has a great cycling podcast called The Cycling Talk, which she started during the first lockdown. She's just started a second season now, and so far has had guests like Luke Rowe and Alex Dowsett. So go check her out and support Georgia. Yeah, and Stuart Phillipson wants a shout-out for his Facebook group, Diamond Disciples Cycling Club, the DDCC. Now, that's all about cyclists raising awareness for all mental health issues. They've also got group meetups once a week on Swift. So if you fancy maybe adding another one to your calendar, then go and join Stuart. And finally, a shout-out to Juan Carlos Munoz. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but yeah, sorry, Juan, if that's wrong. But anyway, he sends his greetings from Guatemala. Let us know if you're listening anywhere else exotic, like James Travis, who said, if we need an international presence, he's listening from Bahrain. So, yeah. And also, I think what we should say, Jay, is if you don't happen to live somewhere exotic, 
if, for example, you live in Harlow or Bridgend or Stoke-on-Trent, you're also equally welcome as a member of the GTCC. Yes, very true, very true. Everyone from Barry, come along. <laughs> right, let's finish with an update on our club kit, shall we? Because so many people have been sending in brilliant designs. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen quite a few of these designs. So Stephen Brown, it was mostly based around Welsh colours. Who else was there? Matthew Ashcroft, also a Welsh jersey, something similar to football kit, which, yeah, that is a nice jersey, to be fair. Simon as well designed the jersey with the slogan "Eat Welsh cakes, ride bike," and a big roaring red dragon on the back. All all great designs. But I just got to say, it doesn't have to be too heavily Welsh as well, though, Tom. Eh? This is, as we just said, this is an international club, so uh, all sorts welcome here. Yeah? yeah, I think that's a nice touch, isn't it? I've also seen some nice mock-ups, G, from Sam Clues, from Paul Connell, Dominic Brown, David Jones. And Kevin Osborne, they were all on our Facebook group. And Chris Lamb design in our logo colours is getting a lot of love on Facebook, and I can see why. I'm sort of thinking, I'm leaning towards a blue or a purple at the moment. What about you? Yeah, blue sounding good. Blue purple's kind of our uh, podcast icon logo thingamabob. Yeah. I'm sure there's a proper name for it. But yeah, that, that would work. I, I like that. And finally, Tam Clark. I don't know if you saw it, Tom, but... He sent a cool design for the t-shirt kit. It's basically the GTCC in the shape of a person on a bike, all hand-sketched, and yeah, that looks really good, to be fair. Yeah, that is a cracker. So, gee, this business section, I mean, it's getting longer and longer. Should we go home? Yeah, well, I'm home already, mate, but yeah, I'll see you next week. See you then. So that was the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club. Thanks, as always, go to Geraint for his insights, to me for my shambolic efforts as chairman to our club mascot Ted to domestique George Cam to our lawyer Pete to our club secretary Louise Gwilliam our head of music Emma Hickman our treasurer Diane Barker and our honorary president Mike Carr and of course you for listening and being part of this club we'll see you next time Crowd Network a place where you belong <laughs>